if you're not recognizing that, if you're still just kind of driving for the deal, then uh, you're going to make that experience even worse for them. So the big question is, what are the top agents doing to absolutely crush it in real estate, grow their teams and add more transactions year over year while so many struggle? If you ever thought about this, you're not alone. No one has been able to get the answers until now. We spent the last few years helping agents sell billions in real estate, rubbing shoulders with top producers, which got us thinking. How can we expose more people to these insights to help raise the standard in the whole real estate industry? We then realized that we could help bridge the gap by getting secrets from the best of the best so that you can succeed. My name is Andrew Dunn. And my name is Peter Michael. Welcome to Elite Agent Secrets. Everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Elite Agent Secrets podcast. Today, we've got Chris Cook with us. He's been in real estate for five years. He's part. He's got four members on his team, five including himself. He's grown his company four x in the last year. They're looking at a three exit again this year. What does that mean to you numerically? He's collected two hundred and fifty to three hundred thousand over the last, you know, each year for the last four years in personal GCI. They're looking to do a million in GCI this year as a team. And his ultimate goal is to buy and sell a thousand homes a year. Chris, there's some big numbers. Thank you for coming on today's show. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. <laughs> so I know we're going to be diving into a lot more, you know, why not me, visualization, you know, letting go, things of, you know, things of that nature to really help people, you know, push through, I think, some boundaries, beliefs, walls that they've had, things that have probably helped you. But what I want to do, uh, what I always like to do is to take it back to the beginning. So five years ago, you got into real estate. What were you doing before then? And why did the shift happen? What made you get into it? Um, yeah, I mean, that's a, a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about, you know, in terms of those three things that you mentioned are all based around what I was doing before this. Um, so I was for, you know, 20 plus years, I was a, a national team athlete in the sport of sailing. And uh, so I spent a, my entire life basically, you know, trying to be the best in the world at what I do. Um, and got pretty close actually there was uh at one at one point there was a stretch where i was ranked second in the world uh came you know a bunch of top top three finishes at uh, world world cup events uh and fifth at the olympics so um who you know that that it's 30 years of my life kind of wrapped up in there and i'm only 47 now so you know it's a a big part of who I am is, is comes from that. Um, and, uh, and that's, you know, you mentioned the thousand selling a thousand homes in a year. Um, you know, I just, I kind of looked at, I looked at what the best people in the world are doing and, and what their transaction levels are. And I just said, well, we would just do more than that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, the, I kind of joke around, my wife thinks I'm crazy. Um, and as do a lot of people, and they're like, "That's crazy! That's a crazy number." And I said, "Well, you know, like, what's what would happen if I came? What if I only sold eight hundred? Oh no, poor me! You know, my company. <laughs> you know, we only we only made yeah. eighteen million dollars this year. You know, like it's uh, you know, how will we pay the mortgage? Um, so that's kind of been my approach is is uh, to 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 just measure myself against who the best people are and try to be better than them uh, and 
And uh, not that it's a competition with them because it's always an internal competition. It's always an internal struggle, really. Um, but you've got to set the bar somehow. And I figure I'll set the bar high. And I, you know, like I said, you know, what if I fail? I'll fail high. That's okay. I'm okay with that. My goal you know, is like, to win a medal. It's like that, you know. it's like, it's like that um, 10x mentality, right? If you set the bar lower and you fail, you're failing lower. So might as well set it higher. So when you fail, you still do better than 99.9% of the people that you're quote unquote in competition for. But what I'm picking up there, Chris, is you're not really looking to compete. You're, you're, you're looking to come in, dominate, and that's a mentality. It's a discipline. It's a way of life as opposed to just how you think and how you approach. I mean, those numbers, right? We're talking about four or five years in the business here. You're consistently doing the GCI of 250, 300. I mean, an average realtor, I, I think the numbers are what? Like, Andrew, 42, 48,000 a year, I, th yeah. I think, right? Yeah. So you're, you're doing at least five, six times that right out of the gate. And I think that is evident back what you were saying through your accomplishments from day one. It's something that is just how you're wired as well. It, it, yeah, it's blatantly your sports. Um, you're, you're, you're hyper competitive, obviously. Like you, you don't compete at that level for that period of time without just being hyper competitive. Um, I'm, I've never competed at that level, but I am hyper competitive. I think it's um, and and it's about bettering bettering yourself. One thing, um, I mean, Peter just dropped Grant Cardone. Um, I'm more of a Elon Musk man myself, but it's it's something he said, and I think you're the same with regards like. So people have a 10-year goal, but try, try and hit your 10-year goal in one year and you will find you'll be a hell of a lot closer than if you just accepted it's going to take 10 years, right? And he's like, you'll miss. You almost guarantee you're going to miss a 10-year goal if you try and do it in a year, but you'll be a shitload closer. And I, have that, I share that same mentality, right? I'm like, I might as well just go for it. I might as well just, you know, balls to the wall. Let's just lay everything on the line and let's just try and get to this ridiculous number because – even if I miss, which is probably going to happen, I can guarantee I will be ahead of the vast majority of people who are just kind of mundanely plodding along, right? Just getting through it. Big time. You know? And, you know, from so what, 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 what happened then? So you were in sports, you were in sailing. Is it anything like the America's Cup style sailing? That style? Mm -hmm. No, it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're different sort of things. And you probably know, like my, one of my uh, competitors, like uh, Sir Ben Ainsley, you've probably heard of him. If you're in the UK, I have to imagine you've probably heard of him. He's five-time Olympic medalist. Right. Uh, so I competed directly with Ben in the Finn class. Right. Okay. He was a smidge better, you know, with five medals to my zero. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that now that you, now that we're on this topic, to totally off topic, but my cousin actually is a world she, – he won a few world champions, just competed in the Olympics. He does sailing, but he's on these boats that are like – it's it's a two-man crew. One's, one's navigating and the other one's jumping from one side to the other. There's like this little mesh right in the middle of it. And what, these things go. Um, so, sorry? What's his name or her name? 
Oh, oh, um, you're talking about my my cousin? Yeah, your cousin. Yeah, so his his name is actually Jacob. Jacob and my, Michael. Saunders? J- no, uh, wait, I'm sorry, what's his no, last name? Hold on, I'm going to, because he this yeah, is actually probably, my grandmother. Yeah, I, probably, <laughs> I, I probably know these guys. That, like, I know a lot of the, the people that, that still do yeah. it. So uh, what, happened, what happened then when, so obviously you left sailing, right? And you got out of that. How did you then transition into real estate? Because obviously there's no connection there. So was it someone you met along the way? Like, how did that happen? Yeah, and, so after, it was after the 2008 Olympics. I, I, I thought I wanted to be a real estate agent. I liked it. I liked real estate. I liked building houses. I liked house, just everything real estate. I really liked it. Um, but I had, a, I had a, a bad real estate experience with another realtor. Um, and I had a perception of, you know, who I had to become to be good at real estate, which was, you know, luckily wrong, uh, but a perception just the same. So I actually took, I took a job as a, as a sailing coach, uh, like as a pro for a couple of years after, after that. And um, I found it pretty quickly that I don't, you know, I don't really like to have a, a set job. I don't really like working for somebody else that has, uh, you know, less vision, I guess you could probably say. I worked for a few people that were more plotters. Um, and so there was a moment where I, I was having a, a bit of a head-to-head with my boss at the time. I was a national team sailing coach at the time. And and he said to me, he goes, you know, your, your problem, Chris, is you want to go from A to Z. And my reaction to him was, well, Patty, at least I know that there's a B. <laughs> right you're not right, even right. Trying, you're not even trying to get past a here um and and then that led to a bunch of other things that led to me leaving um and i that's when i realized that you know i was playing it pretty safe being a sailing coach i like coaching i actually really like teaching and coaching but it's not something that you know i, I couldn't do that for somebody else and so that's where i you know i took a bit of a, a, a giant leap because uh, I had, you know, at the time, mortgage payments and a, and a fairly young child at the time, um, and uh, and so I took that leap to to do this um, because it was something that I believed that I was going to enjoy and that I was going to be successful at. Um, so that's it, it was a combination of different things, but it really was that conversation with my then boss, and I realized that most people operate at a much uh, not necessarily lower level, but a slower level for sure. Most people operate very slowly. Got it. And then, so you took the leap. So did you have a plan then when you jumped in? Was it a specific brokerage? Again, any friends, family help navigate? How? Let's walk through those first couple of years then, how they went. Because I'm interested, I think a lot of people, I, w- I want to know, as I'm sure everyone else does, was your first year like a wild success or was it you know a real struggle? Right. And how did that go? Did you get mentorship, things like that? Yeah, my first year was, I mean, the first half of it, the first six months were really difficult. Um, I struggled quite a lot uh, trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do. But I knew going into it that, you know, social media and online lead generation was the future. If I was going to meet enough new people to be able to generate the business level that I want, I'm going to have to meet people on scale. Um, and I'm going to have to be able to get in front of people. You know, I learned later 
getting in front of people that doesn't necessarily mean they're all going to like you. Some people are going to decide that they don't want to work with you based on what you're putting out there. And that's a win too. That was difficult for me to realize, but, um, I recognized early on in the game that, that, um, online lead generation was going to be the sort of the cake, you know, not the icing. The icing was going to be all of my social media, close contacts, people that knew me already, uh, my sphere, all of that stuff. That was, but I had to find a way to create consistent business. And so my first year, the, the last six months of my first year were amazing. Like I killed it. Um, I did a lot of business. I did probably $130,000 in, um, in business just off my online lead generation and calling leads. And, and I perfected my sort of my script, my, how I connect with people and, um, and then getting, you know, getting them to appointment and ultimately buying a house. Um, so, so when you say online lead generation, do you mean running paid ads? Do you mean going inside of groups or working your, you know, sphere of the context that you've had? Help us understand what that looks like. Cause I just heard you say perfecting a script, but first you have to generate the lead. What did that, what did that initial step look like? Well, this is the reason why I'm not a richer man today, because I, I spent heavily, um, into this almost every dollar that I made actually, like I, it's fine to say I made $250,000, but I spent like 180,000 of that, uh, on my business on figuring out, you know, how to get these leads. And, um, so I paid for lead generation and these leads cost about 20 bucks per when you get somebody else to generate them for you. Um, and when you're, you know, when you're converting at 1%, it starts to get very expensive. Um, and, and so I had to figure out how to get my conversion rates up and I ultimately much later in the game, uh, you know, about a year and a bit ago, I figured out with the help of the listings lab, I figured out how to actually generate my own leads in-house for much cheaper fraction of the cost. Um, so that's, that's kind of my, you know, the short version of my journey on the, on the online lead generation, essentially leads are a commodity. You can buy them. Um, it's the problem is how, what's that, what's that leads experience before they talk to you? What's their experience after they talk to you? And, and so those, those were some things that we had to, that I had to learn and I had to learn it really quickly on steroids actually, because I, I knew like it wasn't sustainable for a, to spend 180 to $200,000 a year on lead generation. That's not, I mean, unless you're doing a massive business, but for the, for the level of business that I was doing, it wasn't sustainable. And my personal ability to be able to handle those leads was uh, a, a finite resource. Um, you know, I was, I think everybody in this business has that story, but I was at medieval times, which is like, you know, like a jousting thing with my kid. He was a, a pretty young kid and, and uh, a lead came in on my phone. And, and it's like, that's that speed to lead mentality, right? Like I got to call this person immediately or they're going to work with someone else. And so I left my like two year old son and my wife. So I could go try to find a quiet place in this like medieval castle to call this person. And I, so I call them and, and they go, yeah, I'm not interested. Stop calling me. Oh, wow. And so that was like the, that was a moment where I realized there was, there was a couple of things broken here. Um, and and that's very common, right? 
Oh yeah, hugely common. I mean, it's probably happened to me a thousand times. Okay. The reason I want to yeah, the reason I want to underline that is because a lot of agents go into online lead generation expecting for these leads to be like ready, willing, able, wallet out, pre-approved, you know, give me, give me in a house tomorrow. However, a lot of the people that you call initially, they will say they're not interested because it's like, it's like, you know, you're walking into Best Buy, you're looking for a new computer, a salesperson comes up to you initially, what do you say? Oh, I'm just looking, right? Just, just looking, leave me alone. Now, if they stand there for five, 10, 15 minutes, then the, I'm just looking becomes like, yes, I would like help, AKS, yes, I would like some of your advice. I'm a lot more open now. So when they say I'm not interested, it doesn't mean, you know, it's a dead lead. It just means that the process needs to change, which is what you're highlighting now, Chris. Yeah. And that's it. It's actually funny because we have that conversation, you know, with our, with the sales team and we talk about that. And, and the question is, you know, I always use the shoe store. Like somebody walks into a shoe store, they say they're just looking. Okay. What is it that you're just looking for? Can you be more specific so that I might be able to help you? And what I find is most people that, that like I have a script, but so do, so does the person that I'm calling. Everybody has a script, but my script is longer than yours. My script is better because I know that you're interested in real estate because you signed up for this thing. You had to click three times to get through to this point. Um, and, and so we were actually like now through experience, what we've done is we've gone to the point where, where we're asking some more intelligent questions that are more to the buyer's needs. What is it that you're that you're looking for? Maybe I can help you. Is it a detached house? Is it a semi-detached house? Are you looking in east, the east end, the west end? Is it a condo? And and people they they buckle. They 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 they're like, okay, this guy actually wants to know more. So I'll tell him. Um. And I mean, the other thing too that we're that we're finding, and we're actually experimenting over around with it right now. Um is uh, we're, we're likening ourselves to the duck cleaner. You know, somebody calls you and they say, do you want your ducks clean? And you're like, F off. You know, right? <laughs> like, um, because there's a bunch of things wrong with that call. They're calling from a noisy place. They're calling from a call center. Uh, they're not the salesperson. They're, uh, they know nothing about the process or why you should actually get your ducks clean. Um, so what if they offered you some value? What if they offered that to you? It would still, you would still probably be angry at the call and you still wouldn't take it. And so this is what we're experimenting around with actually starting today where we're doing the first ones is we're sending out, we send out follow-up emails with useful information and we're using bomb bomb now to put uh, our specific salesperson would just now created a video that says, hi, it's David. Um, you may have noticed I've been calling you and I've been calling because you asked me for some specific information and I'm just following up to make sure you got it and to, to see if the, I can actually create something more custom for you and your needs. If you're interested in giving me a call back, my number's below and I will be trying to reach out to you one more time tomorrow. So if you see my name come up, that's why I'm calling and I'd love to chat to you. Because people have their guards up. And this is the sort of thing, like, this is the thing that I think has grown my business, since this is what we're talking about, um, is putting yourself in that other person's shoes. What is their experience? What are their expectations? When they pick up the phone, 
they're taking a real risk. And so if you're not genuine, if you actually don't want to help them, then you're the duct cleaner, right? Um, and if they don't pick up the phone, it's because you're the duct cleaner. And so you have to find a way to differentiate yourself from that and prove to them that you are of value, that you're worth talking to. And so everything I've done up until now is putting myself in that position. And that's why, you know, my conversion rates are, you know, more than 2%. I've had them as high as 4% conversion on online lead generation. Now, and now Chris, what, you, what do you say when somebody says, I'm not interested? Like you, you're like, you were giving us the example, you know, you, you walked away from your family, your, your kids got in a, you know, quiet place just to get quote unquote rejected. Right. Um, how do you get over that now? Because if you were converting at one, now you're converting at two to four, the average is one to 2%, which means you're, you're sometimes you're as good as double that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, part of it is just kind of working past their objections in a way that where you're not shy about it, where you actually believe that you're going to be able to help these people. I think most people give up when somebody says they're not interested because deep down they don't believe that they can help. Um, that they, they don't understand what their value is to begin with. And so it's so, easy. So, to, yeah. So, so for example, you know, let's, I guess, play this out if you're okay with that. Yeah. That'd be great. You, you, you call me, I say, I'm not interested. How do you respond to that? Um, well, what I would say is, okay, Peter, I appreciate that. Um, you know, you probably like browsing around on the internet, looking at, at, properties and stuff. Is that how you ended up coming to me? Yes, I, I came across your Facebook ad. Yeah. And, you know, we spend a lot of time on those really putting something that's valuable out there. And it's a nice picture. And I, you know, I like looking at real estate. I'm actually addicted to it to the point where it's my full time job. Um, <laughs> but there's there's a lot of people that have a misunderstanding, uh, an imperfect understanding of how to properly browse around on the Internet. Um, so what I'd like to do for you, Peter, I'm going to send you over a quick email because I have your email here. I'm going to send you over an email and it's got two links on it. Um, one is for a thing called House Sigma and the other one is Realtor.ca. And those are two ways that you can see everything that's available on the market. You can see sold prices. You can see everything without having agents call you all the time because it seems to me like you're annoyed that I'm calling you and I can appreciate that. Yes. I get 15 I, of these calls a day. I know. It's, and, and, and I do apologize that I'm one of those 15. Um, but what I would like to do, the reason why I'm calling is I want to offer value to you. And I'm going to send this email over to you. Um, is it okay with you if I send that? Yes. Okay. I'm going to send that over to you. I also, I have a series of other emails that are as valuable as that. And they're not like just listed, just sold. Look at me in front of my new Ferrari or anything like that. Um, I would like to also send you those. They're pretty infrequent. They're like two times a month. And it's just really useful information about real estate. Because it seems to me like you're interested in real estate, but you're not really ready to, to transact. So I'd like to just send you that information. Is it okay if I send that to you as well? Yes. And you're actually one, one of the only agents, you know, that's actually asking me if that's, that's okay, because I've opted it to a few different ads yeah. right now. And, you know, it's, everyone's just blowing up my phone. I'm sitting here at work and my phone doesn't stop ringing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know, you know, what I should be doing next. 
it's uh, and I you know like nobody can appreciate that more than me because I'm in the business and I get those things because of because I'm in the business. Um, so I'm not going to take up any more of your time, Peter. I'm just going to send these emails over to you. Um, and then if your position does change and you are interested in transacting or you want to know some more about that, then you can reach out to me and my, you know, my, my name and phone number and everything will be in those emails, of course. Thank you so much, Chris. That's awesome. Okay. Thanks, Peter. Um, enjoy the emails. I'll talk to you later. Thank you. See, I think that is, I know Andrew's going to say something, but I got to get in front of him. That is so perfect because by taking it away and taking a step back, you actually drew me in and I naturally wanted to cooperate with you because you distance yourself from every single phone call that has come in. Yeah. And, and, I, and I've offered you something. I know, I know where you're at. I know that you don't want these calls. You've made that clear to me. Um, I know that you are interested in real estate, but you're interested in real estate like the way my wife is interested in real estate. You want to browse around. <laughs> you want to look at nice houses and see chandeliers and decoration ideas or whatever. I don't care what it is that you want to do with it. Um, but you need a safe way to do this where you're not going to get harassed and you don't have to leave your number or anything else like that. So that's, um, you know, it's always adding, you deliver value. And if it doesn't put money in my pocket, that's okay. Um, the idea here is this person is looking for something and how can I help? And so then when I make these calls, I'm not afraid of that guy. I want to help. Like I know that person um, and, and I know how to help them and I know how to get it. at the end of the call. He's not hanging up going, what a twat, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, no, I think um, just a bit in line with the topics, I think this is for the people listening with the first thing you, you kind of brought uh, to to us today, Chris, was like, why not me? Right. So like people listening to that conversation, to like how you're choosing to stand out. And like, I, I want to kind of dive into that topic where it's like, you know, what do you mean by why not me? And also, you know, the people listening to that, that you've just gone through, why can't you do that? Why can't they do that to stand out and to help them get them more transactions every month, every year, right? Right. Um, yeah, and that's the kind of the first thing is is that you have to. It's a it's a two part. I mean, I think the first thing is you you have to have a plan for how it's going to happen. You can't. I can't just sit on my couch at home and say the sun is going to shine on me because why not me, right? Um, but if you have a plan and a, and it's a well thought out plan, then why shouldn't it work for you? Um, and, and so from my end, like I knew, or I thought I knew that online lead generation was going to be, you know, the, the, the base of my business. It was going to be what, what, um, kept the wheels turning regularly and made sure that I didn't have two or three months with no transactions type of thing. Um, and, and so when I dove into that, you know, like I said, I mean, it's a total commodity, right? Like a lead is a commodity. It's not a person on the other end, really. Uh, it's just this idea of a deal. And, and so that's when I looked at it, I was like, well, you know, there's other companies that are, there are other real estate businesses that are doing extremely well with online lead generation. I don't know if you ever heard of like Zillow. For <laughs> So these guys, uh, like, why can't I be Zillow? But like with a personality and, and a heart um, and, and smaller, obviously, like nobody wants to be that. Well, maybe some people do. I don't. Um, 
And, and so when you approach something with like, why can't I be the guy that does a thousand transactions and 950 of those people love me and not me, my team that like the, the Halyard group, right? Absolutely. And and I say that purposefully 950 because 50 people just by like, because of who they are, because, you know, whatever, are they're not going to like us. We're going to, they're going to hire us and they're going to be like, I don't know, like it was okay. That's okay. That's going to happen. But 950 out of a thousand, I'll take that. And that's kind of the, the idea is that you do a, a big number like that and, and everybody or most of the people think that you're freaking fantastic. Um, and so again, like, why not me? Why can't I be that big organization that does a lot of transactions that everybody thinks is awesome? You know what I'm also um, realizing as you're speaking and you're sharing your tips with us is that you are very much distancing yourself, or I should say maybe separating yourself from the outcome, whether it's good or it's bad. What I mean by that is, the outcome is what the outcome is. You can't lose what you don't already have. Elite is a commodity. It's an idea of a deal. You don't know what if it's going to come into fruition or how soon it's going to come into fruition until you actually have a conversation with them. You're able to figure out whether or not you can service them, but you start with the thought of wanting to service them and, and do what's proper for them. Um, or whether it's not interested, interested, whether it's a $500,000 deal, a million dollar deal, you, you're not married to the specific outcome that in your mind before you even have a conversation with the person. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's, uh, I think there's a lot of people talk about like commission breath. Have you guys heard that term before? First time for me. Okay. It smells really bad. Oh my God. I got, I need this deal. I got to pay my freaking mortgage. Right. Like that's, yeah. that, that's the problem. People get attached to the outcome. Uh, and, and as soon as you do that, then you lose your uh, objectivity to be able to service the client. Um, you'll maybe put them into something. You'll convince them to buy something that's maybe not right for them, but you need the money. Um, they want to, they want a three month close, but you need the money next month. Um, so you start doing things that are not in the best interests of the person that you're working for and supposed to be advocating for. Yeah. They um, in sales, they say they can smell desperate, right? Yeah. And that's the yeah, commission breath. Oh, I need this. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we got to add that to our terms and vocabulary. Yeah. It, it, it translates into, you know, the, the, a lot of the, the feedback that I get from, from people that I talk to about, you know, the perception of a real estate agent and what their experience was and what they liked and disliked. Uh, and usually when somebody disliked their experience, it's because they felt pressured um, to put in an offer, to put in a higher offer, to, uh, to go see more houses or whatever, um, and not, not be, you know, aware of uh, your clients uh, and where they're at in the process. In Toronto, it's a very difficult market. Uh, it could, you know, it can take months and many, many offers to be successful. And clients burn out and they need a break. Um, you know, you've got to be aware of that and you have to ebb and flow with their enthusiasm. And you have to keep that energy level high. 
you know, you, you may have seen 30, 40 places and, uh, and, you know, you're kind of getting them, they're getting a little fatigued. And, and if you're not recognizing that, if you're still just kind of driving for the deal, then uh, you're going to make that experience even worse for them. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Now, before you go, we're giving access to a private training we did where we revealed the top three niches to get listings today completely for free. So if you want access, you can go and download that training at EliteAgentSecrets.com. We're regularly releasing new trainings, guides, and cheat sheets. So make sure to head over to EliteAgentSecrets.com and sign up so you don't miss out.